I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From 45 to win the game. He's got it. The Tigers have won by a point. A kick out to the side. Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast. Welcome indeed, everybody, to Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast, the AFL edition with your host, Super Coach Hawk, also known as Rob Kennedy. Here is my good mate, the big horse, Mickey Dell. How are you, buddy? Robbie Kennedy. Well, thank you. Upset week. That's what it is. Huge upset Huge week. upsets this week. Did you get on a few of them? How many did you get? Do you know your tips? Yeah, yeah tip six. Was very happy with my tips. That's big. So, yeah, if we, big. we can go back and have a look at the footage from the other day where uh, we we tipped West Coast, tipped Melbourne, uh, missed out on Hawthorne, missed out on Essendon, um, got GWS, missed Frio, got Carlton. Uh, end up tipping Adelaide after I had a bit of a think about it and thinking that O'Brien was going to dominate Vicinetti. So, yeah, it was it was a good week. Yeah. I'll tell you what I didn't do is I didn't listen to our pod. I stupidly put the VC on Dacos, who let me down. And, like, you bloody run a podcast and then you don't even follow through. I got all antsy. When the game was about to start, I got all antsy and I was like, nah, Ah, VC, plus the guy I was playing against in the head-to-head league, put it on him as well. And I was like, oh, I went and did it. But, um Still pretty happy with the team. At 25-20 this week, considering I don't have English and I don't have the bond, I also had uh, Callum Mills letting me down on the field. But uh, still pretty happy with the 25-20. I'll tell you what, though. There were some huge scores out there this weekend. Yeah, 2,890, I think, took home the bacon this week, which is just phenomenal, isn't it? They're huge, huge scores. Yeah, there were some big scores by some big percentage zone players. So it doesn't surprise me mm. much at all. Laird came back straight back in massive, English massive. Look, we're going to go over them. We're going to look at it and what was upset week. But I think we need to talk about a bit of news first in the AFL and uh, would be doing it a disservice and a disjustice if we didn't mention Buddy Franklin announcing his retirement. It's giving me images, sadly, of uh, when Chris Judd retired after doing his knee. Buddy obviously went down with an injury and then has announced his retirement effectively immediately. Um, what a player. I mean, as a Hawthorne fan, those that are watching us online, you can see the Hawthorne jumper behind me. Um, just once in a no, uh, you know what? He's even more than once in a generation player. He's an absolute legend and probably one of the greatest players in that echelon that we can talk about that we've not only seen in the modern day, but I think he's a walk-up start to the Hall of Fame and no doubt a future legend in the AFL Hall of Fame as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. When you're talking about Indigenous talents that have come through the AFL system, he's right up there with your poly farmers, these kinds of guys, icons like Michael Long, um, Aboriginal players that have played the game at the highest level for a long time. Like he 
he's played 350 AFL games. That's an incredible career when you, you look at the average lifespan of an AFL footballer being, I think it's 80 games. So yeah. he has far, by far and away exceeded all expectations when it comes to an average AFL career. Uh, he got the bag when he signed at Sydney. He really came on at Hawthorne, being an Essendon supporter, still got nightmares of him running down the wing, like just <laughs> running nonchalantly away from Kale Hooker and kicking that goal from the boundary. Lots of memories of Buddy. But, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal player. Uh, once upon a time was very super coach relevant. He was in your top three forwards. Absolutely. Super coach as well. Uh, but, yeah, a once-in-a-lifetime player retiring today. So congratulations, Buddy, if you're listening to this, mate. Well done and all the best in retirement. Yeah, I picked him up all the time. He was one of those players that got up the ground, got he loved to swing onto his left foot, loved to kick it. Sometimes was racking up 18 to 20 disposals a game, still kicking three to four a game, loved to get a mark up the ground. It's an interesting one as a key forward. Probably his one deficiency was just that lead-up mark. He wasn't a big pack mark. He wasn't a lead-up mark. But the way he that he could just... his nudge, arms above his head, could he? Yeah, nudge players underneath, turn him inside out. Somehow, magically always gets onto his left foot. And, uh, mm. yeah, look, highlight reel up a storm. Uh, as a Hawthorne supporter, though, I must admit, I did love that when he did take the check. I didn't mind it, but he never got a premiership at Sydney. So I'm okay with that. And we even beat no, him. No, we one. didn't. <laughs> no, but it was worth it. A lot of people question that contract. He was worth it. I think he's done more than enough. I'm talking about just on field. A lot of people talk about the marketing and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about on field, even on field for Sydney. He has been a phenomenal pickup and played out that contract extremely well, in my opinion. Yeah, in Sydney, he's done a lot for the game. So we being in Melbourne or Melbourne, uh, Victoria, sorry, being a, very much a football state, we don't see the effect that Buddy's had on an Australian scale, not just a state scale. He's still a big name in Victoria, yet he's in another state. There's not that many names when comparatively talking about Chris Judd when he was in West Coast. Uh, even Nat like Nat Fife, Lockie Neal, multiple, you know, brown lows between the guys, and they don't really get spoken about that much. But this guy comes up in conversation frequently. So I won't say globally because it's not a worldwide game, but around Australia, he's, yeah, he's definitely one of the best and most spoken about. Absolutely. Any more thoughts from yourself, mate, before we dive into the first upset of the weekend? No, I don't think so. Uh, we'll, we'll get stuck into it, but what, what more can you say about Buddy? Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows how exceptional he's been. Um, yeah, let's crack on. Absolutely. No, big shout outs. Absolutely. It's probably the best way to start the show, I think. Um, so Collingwood went up against Carlton. You stood by your word. You tipped the Blues, and the Blues came out and played an absolute blinder. I think everybody was still waiting to see Collingwood have a comeback in that fourth quarter, and it just wasn't to be. Um, you know, we t- I talked about it. I said it was very hard for me to tip against Collingwood. The reason for mm-hmm. me being I think too much pressure was going to be on Charlie to get the job done, and I thought with someone like Darcy Moore, um, he wasn't going to get that job done. But he kicked six. And that, to me, was a little bit of the difference in this game, along with some other players that played absolute rippers. Um, from a super coach standpoint, uh, let's start with Carlton. Nick Newman, 137. Charlie Kerno, we just talked about with a 137. <laughs> Weedering down back with a 105. Chera with a 104. And Paddy Cripps with the ton as well. From a Collingwood perspective, Darcy Cameron backed up with another huge game, 127. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Howe, 118. 118 as he went forward and kicked, I'm pretty sure he kicked three, if I'm right and saying so. Yeah. Josh Dacos on the wing with a 107. Tommy Mitchell stepped up a little bit better with a 98. Uh, Nick Dacos, as we talked about, a little bit quieter with the 82. From a super coach standpoint, let's go there first. What were your big takeaways from this game, mate? Dacos disappointing. He was a bit selfish, I thought. A little bit. At times he sort of, yeah, he burnt off a couple of teammates a couple of times. And there was this one clip that has it made it onto social media where he burnt five Collingwood players who were clear in the one passage of play and then turned it over. So I'm sure that'll it'll come up in in the team review with Collingwood this week. From a super coach point of view, Adam Chera, he, he's been the staple there for Carlton all year, not just when they've been playing well, but even when they were playing poorly, he was the one that was still averaging his 115s, 120s each week. He's gone with what they're calling hamstring tightness, but for me, like I've had hamstring tightness before and I've done a hamstring. If you've got ice like that heavily compacted onto the hamstring and you've already started working on it, that's not tightness. He'll miss a week or two. 
And and even so, despite how tough it is, I reckon he's definitely got to miss a week or two. They've put themselves in a good position now. Finals is definitely on the cards. And if anything, they're starting to look like the team that's going to be coming into finals with – with probably the best behind them. You know, they've got they've, they've been playing fantastically well and to get a win like this and a scalp like this on the big stage, uh, even more so. I think it's becoming very prevalent, though, that players like Silvani might not be around next year. I don't think they're going to be able mm. to afford him, especially after giving uh, TDK the big contract. So it's going to be interesting to see where some of these players move at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm not even convinced that Saad's going to be there. Ooh, Just I haven't heard that way. Yeah, just watching the way that they they work the ball out of their back line now and probably 18 months or very heavily reliant on getting the ball in his hands and trying to generate that run and carry through him. They've gone away from that now a little bit. Brody Kemp's come in and done a really nice job down there. Uh, yes. Sam Doherty, when he's down there, takes a lot of the ball. Ollie Hollands, yep. his, his run along the wing there, um, he's, he's phenomenal. His work rate's unreal, which... They're less dependent on Adam Saad now. So, yeah, I'm not even sure if he's going to be there next year with their numbers crunch, with their high-profile players that they've already got under contract. McGovern's actually come on quite well in the past six weeks. I'd be surprised if they let him go. They'll keep him at a a lesser contract. But you just mentioned Silvani and these types of players. Yeah, they unfortunately be squeezed out. He's shown a bit over the past month. If you go and look at the quality teams who have gone on and sort of been successful, there are certain positions that you can give away despite mm-hmm. the quality of the player. Your third tall is one that you possibly can give away, and that's the role that Silvani's doing. Your runoff halfback is the other one. You look at all the players, and look, I am very Hawthorne-centric. I'm not going to lie. I've watched a lot of their football, and they've been successful over the last while. So you look at the Taylor Durays, the Matt Sucklings, those great you know, a great to lose term, very serviceable halfback flankers who play that role extremely well. You can let them go and chase the money and you can produce and bring up the next one. As long as they're efficient by foot, got in good endurance and got good speed, you know, you can find those players in the draft and I think bring them through. Tell um, me one more thing before we move on. Carlton look more dangerous without Harry Mackay up there. I, mate, you t- I, I, I sort of had a look at the time and I went, do we need to move on to the next game? You've, mate, you've asked the exact same question that I was going to ask. He looks very dangerous. I think the other thing it does is they haven't gone – they had some ridiculous number, and I'm just going to say a number. Let's say it was like 75 to 80% of the time, and I'm pretty sure it was around that, that they targeted one of the two every time they went forward, and it basically just went to the hot spot. Now, that number hasn't – it's come down a bit. It's still Charlie-centric. His number's gone up, but it's lower than that. It's back into that sort of 65% range, which means they are a little bit less predictable. But it's giving Charlie space to be the guy and get the ball when he wants. And Charlie is a quality football. He had Darcy Moore extremely worried, and Darcy mm-hmm. just looked out of sorts in this game. Coming from, I'm, I'm glad you said that, coming from a, sen- a previous senior coach's point of view, sometimes less is more. Kicking the ball yep. less to Charlie means more. So now that they've got rid of Mackay, it was either going long to Mackay or long to Kerno every time. You get rid of Mackay, you can play Kerno as a deep ball, that's fine, but they're almost forcing themselves to lower the eyes and pick out options who are free and therefore getting more efficient inside 50s, which we saw against Collingwood worked a treat. Darcy Moore likes to play off his man. Their other backmen like to play off their man and try and come in and spoil. Lower the eyes, hit up the open target. And it just opens the game up so much. They dominated Collingwood from halfway through the second quarter onwards. You're spot on. You're spot on. Uh, and I think we've talked about it. I think they look better with Pitt and Ned in the team. Uh, Voss has come out and said he's their number one man. Tom DeConing's been re-signed as the sort of forward ruck. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to look at that structure and, and see what works for them, for sure. For sure. Uh, mate, biggest upset of the week here has to be has to be the Fremantle going to Geelong, GMHBA, albeit that Fremantle actually have a pretty great record when they go down there. Um, and Geelong had some injuries during this game, but um, major injuries, I should say. I shouldn't understate the injuries that they had um, during this game. But to get up 71-64 against Geelong, down in GMHBA, uh, Andy Brayshaw with a massive game, 137. Schultz with a 111. Uh, Luke Ryan with a 112. Uh, Wagner showed that he's actually got a bit of ticket down in that back line. I think he actually looked very good with a 110. Sarong with a 110. And Alex Pierce. Big shout out to Alex Pierce. He's had a lot of pressure from the WA media over here. 
um, in people like Kane Corns, things like that. Even Kane Corns came out and said, what a game for a guy that he himself had put a lot of pressure on, a bit of scrutiny to him as well, questioning his leadership, questioning his abilities. He played a ripper in this game. Um, from a Geelong perspective, Mitch Duncan with a 118. Tom Stewart with a 101. He was very good, albeit they turned the footy over late in the game, which is very un-Tom Stewart-like. Tommy Atkins, we've talked about, 92. Tanner Bruin with a 92. Um, other than that, it was pretty quiet. Dagerfield with only a 65. Big horse, over to you. Tell, tell me the injuries. I didn't actually see the game. Who got hurt? Oh, uh, Mark Blickfast did a massive hamstring. He is gone for a very long time. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, he was he was struggling to even walk off the ground. I must admit, it was probably one of the most cl- – I can't remember who it was, so I don't want to throw a commentator on the bus and say the wrong one. But one of the funniest comments I heard during it was, oh, I've spoken to a few hamstring experts and they've said it doesn't look good. <laughs> it's just like, clearly the guy like literally couldn't walk around the boundary i thought he was going to give it oh it looks like it's off the bone that kind of walking style you're waiting for him to say something and all he said was and they've told me it doesn't look good i was like yeah, all right. right well done champ but yeah no um himself that's huge and for then them. it was one of their forwards um oh i really should have come in with uh, a bit better hawkins reason. i thought it was hawkins place. Yeah, Hawkins hurt himself as well with a bit of a hobble at the end. I haven't looked up to see what it is just yet, but it didn't look good either, albeit that I haven't given you much insight there. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. so a couple of injuries. Hawkins came late, though, so I don't think that made a made a big part. But losing Blickfast early, especially when uh, Geelong were going the typical tactic against Frio, which is big-bodied mids. So they had Blickfast playing pretty much as a, as a mid, um, and they had Stanley in the ruck. So it was a... Um, yeah, definitely threw off their dynamic of what they were trying to do in this game. But Frio looked good and good on him, I think. Gives them a little bit of bounce back. As I said, Wagner looked very strong off the back line. Um, he played a really good game um, and shows that he's got a bit of ticker, which is good. I don't think it's too much concern for Geelong other than they've got to get their bodies right. They've got. I'm starting to notice they need to have their 22. Um, they're mm-hmm. at that point now where they do need to have their 22. I think their depth is getting pushed a little bit now. Um, if they don't have their 22, I just think they're going to be making up numbers when it comes to uh, finals time. We move on to Western Bulldogs versus the Giants. Now, to tell you what, Western Bulldogs went off to an absolute flyer to start this game with what looked like a winning score. And every time I kind of kept flicking back across because I was at my mate's house watching the Dockers, a little Docker insight, Um yeah, we just saw them come back and back and back, and we made sure we flicked across to watch the end of this match, which was GWS getting up by five points, 78 to 73. Some really poor misses by some of the forwards for the Western Bulldogs that you'd normally expect them to kick. I think it's one of their biggest deficiencies that they need to sort mm-hmm. out. They've got forwards down there who are kicking extremely poorly. There's no point having sticky mitts if you can't put it through the big sticks. Tell yeah, you what. That's right. Put that on a T-shirt, mate. But um, Tim English with a huge 163. Trelaw with a 144. Bailey Dale played a ripper, 139. Tom Liberatore, mate, keeps on keeping on with a 133. Jack McRae with a 122. And Bontempelli was just a little bit quieter with a 101. Uh, Lockie Whitfield keeps putting up some good numbers now with a 137. Canelio with the 122, your shout-out. Sam Taylor putting his hand up to be massively the All-Australian option here, albeit that Mm -hmm. he hasn't played all season. Uh, Toby Green with a 106. I have a feeling he kicked four goals possibly in one quarter. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Briggs with a 104. Putting up good super coach numbers, but he let Tim English go wild with a 163. Uh, Make worth mention Josh Kelly with a 98. And I know there's probably a few out there. I'm one of them with Himmelberg. He only put up a 72. Did you get your eyes on this game, mate? Yeah, I did. Uh, it was very interesting to see the last quarter. First of all, Toby Green, five goals in the second half. Unbelievable. You yeah, can see why he's the leader. Five goals. Yeah. yeah, four goals in the third, one in the last. They were unbelievable. Uh, I did tip GWS just thinking Ballarat, the way that the conditions were, that they'd get home just, as we said on the last podcast. Um, seven in a row for them. They are flying at the moment. I read an article in the, in the Herald Sun that, some of the uh, analysts are comparing GWS at the moment to Richmond in 2017 when they started off really slowly early on and really gathered ahead of steam. They won eight of their last nine games coming into finals and then won the flag. I'm not sure if they've got that sort of list here, but I expect them to be heavily involved in September. 
Himmelberg, 21 touches, only three marks, though. 72 super coach points, quieter. It's good to see Brent Daniels back. Uh, Perryman at one stage had 10 touches for nine super coach points. He's cool. normally a lot better than that. And uh, Haynes continuing to be the sub and low on his price when I'll pick him up next year. Yeah, I really like this list. Do I think they're a premiership contending list? No. Um, shout out to the t- shout out to Phil Unfiltered who got into me a little bit for me saying GDRS has been the smoky, but um, it was all tongue in cheek. We've got good bands with Phil, but um, yeah. they, they are. And I know it was a big call to sort of yeah. say they're a smoky when at that point they were sitting seventh and stuff like that. But look, no one had them in the eight. No one had them in their eight finishing there. They didn't have them in that spot, but I like the list and um, they're doing a good job and putting together, um, keeping that list going, even with a Tom Green out. To pull out that victory was uh, was a great victory, and I think they've got the cattle to to be damaging in the finals, and I want to see them there because that's the kind of team that, like, similar to an Adelaide, I kind of want Adelaide there as well, that run-and-gun style that if it goes their way, they are so dangerous. Um, and that could be that, you know, sneak into a prelim, especially if the likes of, Brisbane can't find a way to pull it together. Um, Geelong might sort of falter away. Um, even Melbourne sometimes when their running gun gets going against them, they, they find it hard to stop. So, look, I want the most exciting teams possible in the finals because my team won't be there. So I want to see some good footy. And I think GWS can produce that. And I think Toby Green just does not get enough credit for the quality that he is. He doesn't, no. He's unbelievable. We move on to uh, Gold Coast versus Brisbane. Another, uh, mate, we're going to keep saying Gunner it. sounds like a broken record. Yeah, Gunner big upset. Suns. Massive upset. I think you said it yourself. It was exciting to watch the Lions try and bully the Suns and the Suns just kept whacking them back. Mm-hmm. It, was like, it was like probably you and your brother out in the backyard and he keeps trying to send down some beamers and you're just going bang, bang, putting them over the back fence. Love it. If, if um, anyone's seen Anthony, he's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> Still drop him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Jared Witts with a 134. Alice with a 124. Noah Anderson was great in this game with a 118. Matty Rowe just keeps on being consistent with a 109. Atkins has redefined himself under the new coaching staff, obviously, with a 107. Took Miller with a 106. Power with a 105. Just from hearing that, like I know that Gold Coast obviously had a big win. But to see that many players and Swallow just had a 99, that many tons in Supercoach shows that you're moving that footy quickly. Everyone's getting mm-hmm. their hands on the footy. Everyone's doing their role. Everyone's doing their pressure acts. It shows that they're playing a bit of a different brand of footy. Even Sam Flanders still continued with the solid 85 as well. The only ton for Brisbane, and that's saying a lot. If we go all the way back to where we started, they're a high-scoring Supercoach team. Josh Dunkley missed a consistent with a 133. Uh, McCluggage with a 94. Callum Archie, obviously with a bit of a different role and getting his hands on the footy with a 91. Wilmont is probably the one that's really stepped up in the second half of the year with an 89. Lockie Neal a little bit quiet for his standards with an 87. What do we see here, mate? What are we, what are we seeing from the Suns? Are we seeing a, uh, a new coach get a new contract? No, I don't <laughs> think so. <clears throat> but uh, I loved watching this game. So I flicked it on. I had the old man here and the old girl, Gary and Anna. How are you doing? But with, with this, Brisbane just tried to bully Gold Coast at every possible opportunity. Dane Zorko getting into Took Miller about the scrotum grab or whatever. If you've got bruised nuts, mate, get him out. Let's see if he really did do it. But it was accidental. He tried to tackle you. Get over it. It's footy. It's a contact sport. Stop being a bitch. But with with this game, it was it was awesome. Like Gold Coast thoroughly smashed Brisbane at the contest. The best coaching move of the round was putting Took Miller on Lockie Neal and shutting him down. That was unbelievable. Took Miller shut Lockie Neal out of the game, and the position yep. the possession sorry that he had were irrelevant. They were out the back which caused Lockie Neal to play a little bit of a different game and try and get the ball on the fly instead of in and around the packs, which played in the Gold Coast hands. And Miller himself, like he had 29 touches himself and was influential, influential going the other way as well. So that, that's the coaching move of the round for me. That, that, was, that was defining. Do you know what's interesting about that, though? That they're basically using Fagan's tactic. I think the person who's shown that the most now that you can do a stoppage tag and then go and be dangerous is Josh Dunkley. Josh Dunkley's yeah. been going on the most dangerous person at the stoppages. 
being physical, you know, and still actually finding a way to either push them under the ball so that he can get in himself. Once the stoppage is gone, then it's not a tag, but stop them at the source. And certain players need to be stopped in that area. And there's none better than like a Lockie Neal, a Tom Mitchell, those types yep. of players that put a tag on them at the stoppage. Don't just let them do their thing. So great move. And everybody forgets, Tukmiller was, he still is one of the best two-way running players in this competition. Still but is. give him the task first and then let him go and do his job. So you're right. It's a fantastic move. And and one that I think you've got the Tukmiller and Josh Dunkley that are probably the two best players in the AFL to do it. Before we move on to the next game, for the Gold Coast supporters listening in, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, however you want to get a hold of us. There's a rumour getting around that Sam Flanders for Taron Thomas is a potential trade that's going to happen in the off-season. Mate, go and explain that for a little bit more. I need 20 seconds. This is yours. Explain it. it. So from from what we've heard and what I've been reading, Taron Thomas came out at the end of the game. He's had enough of playing at Kangaroos, which I find blasphemous given the amount of support and encouragement the Kangaroos Footy Club has given him over the last 18 months to two years with his his issues that he's had off-field. They've got him back into playing good footy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And then he comes out at the end of the game and goes, I'm sick of playing here now. This is supposedly confirmed from some people that are pretty close into the footy club. So... Interesting to see. And then from there, it sort of rolled into Gold Coast being a preferred destination. And Sam Flanders coming on, he's been playing some pretty good footy. He'd fit in with the age that they've got, that age bracket. He's shown that he can win plenty of the footy inside. He's a bigger body. It could potentially work. And for North Melbourne, it gets rid of an off-field headache. His value's gone so high, though. His value's gone so high now. So it was like, look, if you thought you were going to get Sam Flanders in a pick – or something like that, maybe you're not going to get any more. It's going to be a straight sort of player move and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I do say with tongue-in-cheek, this is the reason why they had to get rid of their coach to maybe bring in Dimmer next year. Because if they start putting performances up like this, you can't get rid of your coach. Nope. So it all makes sense. We move on. Your team. And what a tight one it was. Uh, 99 to 101 against the Swannies. And the Bombers, this is one that hurts because we did talk about Errol Goulden. Errol Goulden had one of his absolute blinders of a game with a 152. Jake Lloyd with a 127. It's very nice to see my two green highlighted players at the top. It's always nice when you get in this super coach. Mm. Uh, Chad Warner with his 117. Cunningham with his 105. From a Bombers perspective, Zach Merritt, 139. Dyson Heppel, a 116. Darcy Parrish with a 101. Nick Hind with a 98. Um, the one that's concerning at the moment, which was also in a, gl- a green highlight for me, is Callum Mills only putting up a 50. What's going on with Callum Mills and what did you see in this game, mate? Because I'm sure you were glued to it. Uh, I was for a little bit and then I went to bed halfway through the third quarter. So I was surprised <laughs> to see that we got this close. Oh, <laughs> shit. But Callum Mills playing forward. He was playing forward for I don't know what reason and he's not a... He's not a forward task. So when, we, when we're talking about Callum Mills, he's either midfield or you're playing across the back line. I think it's just it's Callum Mills' season just to plug gaps. So unfortunately for us that picked him up, we're just going to have to suffer through the pain now with Supercoach Finals starting in not too long. 
someone that I'm going to track really closely for the rest of this year now that Buddy's gone is Joel Armadi. He yeah. looks nice for them. Across half board, can take a grab, knows how to find the sticks. He's quite a good kick for goal. He's not going to be as good as Buddy, but he's got the build. He's got the frame. He can run. He goes through the ruck as well. Sneaky, nice player. Yeah, I like. I really like the Armadi. Obviously, now they just push forward with the Armadi, McDonald, McLean mm-hmm. type forward line. Um, Armadi has definitely shown that he can play. If he can stay healthy, I've really mm-hmm. liked every time that he played. You've said it exactly. He's not going to be a Buddy Franklin. Let's not. Let's take that tag away from him. But you do see the similarities in just the the mobility, the nudge under the ball. Got a great kick. Probably got a nice mark on him too. Um, handy little player. That's going to be one to sort of watch and probably watch closely to start asking yourself, what do you do with him next year and, and where does he slot in for you? And I will add to that with what we are saying before, less is more, and it mm. definitely is in this case because without Buddy, they, they were looking for Buddy a lot. Now mm. it's going to be shared around between Armati, uh, McDonald, McLean. Yeah. They're, they're going to get isolated one-on-ones where previously – people were playing off them because they knew the ball was going to Buddy and teams are rebounding off that. So I think it's it's going to pain me to say it a little bit, but I think that Sydney are better now without Buddy because they're going to be more unpredictable going forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I think now that these players have come through and shown that they can do the job, it's sort of the right time for Buddy. He still took the main defender, which was always nice, but I think the boys are ready to step up and take the mantle. Yeah. And as you said, they'll just be smart. with Whoever gets what defender, they'll look for the other and they'll uh, they'll go that way. But look for McDonald to step up. I think he's going to be a very consistent forward moving forward. He's got a beautiful kick on him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, watch him to step up. And I think at any club uh, – they get, Sydney can do it. If any club can make anyone solid, it's Sydney. I think they still have one of the best systems going around for sure. Yep. Um, we move on to the showdown in Adelaide. And I tell you what, Adelaide stepped up with their home crowd, albeit at Adelaide Oval, with a big 112 to 65 victory over Port Adelaide. Uh, Taylor Walker with a huge 157. Matt Crouch has found his way back into this side with a 144. Uh, Miller with a 132. Rory Laird straight back in after uh, with his sore shoulder with a 129. Jordan Dawson with a 119. Hinge with a 101. And Fogarty with a 101. From a Port Adelaide perspective, Butters with a 134. Houston's having a great year as well from a super coach perspective with a 122. Mm-hmm. And Rosie mm-hmm. with a 104. Concerns for Port or just more excitement for the Crows? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Colin, uh, sorry, not Collingwood, Port Adelaide, they're both old school magpies, I guess, Port, aren't they? But <laughs> well done. <laughs> when we're talking about Port Adelaide, I think they've sort of not backed off a little bit, but dropped off a little bit. They won their 12, 13 games in a row, whatever it was. They've had a couple of losses now, which, you know, you're not going to go through, through a season undefeated. So it's kind of to be expected. Adelaide and Adelaide, Adelaide's home crowd, they, they were really good. We know that they play well there. But I think Port Adelaide have bigger issues to worry about at the moment. And by that, I mean the CTE stuff or the Alir Alir and Lockie Jones incident. Did you see that? I did. And it is concerning. And uh, Mm -hmm. you and I were just talking off air as we do as mates and just having a bit Mm. of a chat. Um, It is concerning. I mean, if we're going to get this scrutinise when it comes to the head and this protective of the head. And I even learnt a few things myself listening to the radio over the week, um, which is around HAI and the tests that they need to do and things like that. So from what I've heard, and you've probably heard a bit more than me, is all that Port Adelaide did was a HAI, which to the average punter, to me, meant they've done a bit of a test. All Mm -hmm. the HAI is, is looking at the footage and, uh, and making a quick assessment of whether they need to go and have the test. All they yep. did was actually a HII for a Lira Lira, and that's it. And they haven't, and they've sent him back out. The other one that I'm hearing with Lockie Jones is disappointing. Is they're actually saying that he wasn't concussed. The only reason they subbed him off is because he had a migraine. Sorry, what? Lockie Jones was seeing more stars than an astrologist when he went down. He he was he he had the sticky fingers going, and a Lira Lira. Stevie Wonder could see that he was concussed when he went down. Oh, you've done a bit of prep work, mate. I like it. You've done some prep. This is good. Have, have a, but you, you watched no, that. No, you're spot on. And 
they're both on their ass. They're both struggling to get up. You can see that they're both affected. The the footage on TV shows that both of them have the side of the cheek, head contact with each other, both needed HIA, head injury assessments done um, because of the CTE issue that we've got going on and, and the amount of ex-players that have been suing, not just in AFL but NRL and all that sort of stuff. So you'd think doctors, coaches, all that sort of stuff would be covering your ass with this sort of stuff, which is why now... I like the fact that the AFL have gone to Port Adelaide and gone, well, this is quite clear that both of them had some form of head injury. You could see the contact to the head. They were both affected. What would have happened if Alira Lee had got another head knock when he went back out on the ground? Where, where does this thing go to? Where does this lead us to then? All players wearing helmets? Like it's it's just a shit look with the such a focused, you know, look out or focus on the the head now. And any head high contact is a free kick, all that sort of stuff. When you're talking about opposition players hitting you, the amount of times where innocuous tackles, people are getting a week or now, like it's just, yeah, it's pretty poor. Uh, mate, you're spot on. You're spot on. And to, to just clarify one more time, the way you word it with the whole that, yep, they did HAIs. The HAI is not an assessment where it's a proper look at their, you know, taking them through a test. It's just viewing the footage. That was news to me. So coming out and saying they did a HAI on a Lear, and as you just said, Blind Freddy could see that he needs to go off for a test, a proper test, and be taken care of. So, look, let's hope both players are fine. Uh, let's hope everyone's okay. But massive please explain to Port Adelaide with what's what's transpired and what's going forward. So hopefully we find out a little bit more information. Speaking of information, Hawks uh, started out with a lack of information leading into that first quarter because they had no idea where they were or what the starting time was for this game, albeit they kicked three of the first four. After that, they had nine unanswered to, uh, to St Kilda, who went off and kicked not only their highest score for the first half this year, but they did it in the first quarter against Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Nine goals was their highest score for any half of football, albeit they did in one quarter. Um, Hawks had a little bit of fight back in him, but St Kilda found the ticker in the last quarter to get over the line. You could see that Ross Lyon wasn't too happy with him going to that third quarter huddle and uh, and fired him up to finish strong. 122-93, as you should expect from St Kilda against the Hawks. Uh, Will Day, the guy just keeps on keeping on with a 118. I think it's about his fifth ton in six games now. Warple with a 116. Chad Wingard with a 111. Lloyd Meek, I told you not to sleep on him with a 104. Sicily a little bit quieter, but still good with a 102. And Impey with a bit of a different role. He's playing a 101. The one I want to mention is Luke Bruce. This guy just keeps finding the ways. What a... He doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, for a small forward in the career that he's had, uh, kicking six goals in this game. It just shows how good that forward line was in the back in the day when you had Buddy, um, Roughhead, Gunston, and Luke Bruce was about your number four forward for putting up the goals that he's put up. He's right Silvio up there. Rioli as well, not to Silvio mention. Rioli. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, Silvio Rioli there for the impact. So you're right. And now to be doing it still in a side that's not very good and still putting up the numbers, he's, he's a quality footballer. Uh, Brad Crouch with a 117, Sinclair with a 113. Marshall, I said, don't put the C on him. Look, he was worthy with a 113. You wouldn't have hated on it, but he didn't have the big, massive game that everybody thought he might have. Dan Butler with a 113. Jack Steele was solid with a 108. Wanganee Miller, definitely one I'm going to be looking for next year. They're using him a lot now with a 107 um, and Wood with a 100. Did you watch this one, mate? I only saw snippets of it. When I saw... That St Kilda up by that much, it made me look stupid because I tipped Hawthorne. But then seeing Sam Mitchell come out at quarter time, and yeah, like I'm not the world's best lip reader, but he dropped more f bombs than what you could believe. Like he was real pissed with that playing group, and to their credit, they worked their way back into the game. But yeah, it was really St Kilda's game right from the start, wasn't it? You know what 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 I I do want to bring up? You go is. The first time St Kilda played Hawthorne this year, James Sicily got a week for bumping. Caminiti in the goal square. Do you remember that? I do. Very much well, so. It's funny how we fast forward eight weeks and Caminiti's just got a week for striking James Sicily. Is this want... the new, uh, what, what do they call it? Rivalry. rivalry? Player v player rivalry. They've both oh, been Wayne suspended Perry, a week each Wayne, in the year. For Wayne Carey, Glenn Jack kind of scenario. It's, uh... it's, it, it's not going to be a Wayne Carey, Glenn Archer type of scenario, but no, no, no. It's funny but that look, each player's been suspended for hitting the other. 
this year. I like that. I like a bit of something. Look, we get it with Took Miller and Zorko. Like that's been going for a little bit now. I think it's nice to have a little bit of fire and a little bit of something. Do I do I think that's on here? I don't know, but there's definitely a lot of niggle, and they've obviously worked out that they can get under mm. each other's skin as well and get them to react. And once you know that you can get somebody to react, that means you don't stop. You do the old pinch, you get the pinch, you get the old kidney punch, you get a little bit of something going on. But, um, yeah, Cameron Eady's got to learn how to keep it together now. He's sort of shown that he can go off the rails, and we all know that Sicily can definitely go off the rails. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it's good for footy. I think they're going to play many, many more matchups against one another. Um, so it was good to see. But, yeah, what what's... What's your take on uh, Wanganee Miller? Have you have you watched much of him this cool. year? Yeah, he looks really nice. I like him. Just a smooth mover across the back line. The last couple of years, they've tried to use him up forward and across the wing, and that probably doesn't suit him too well with his lighter frame. But we're looking now at the makings of a really nice player across halfback, where if St Kilda decide to push Sinclair up into the middle, then Wanganee Miller is able to play across that halfback uh, kick outs, use the ball. He uses the ball well. He kicks it quite long as well. We're such a young kid as well. I really like him. Yeah. They look to him too. They look to get the ball in his hands. And I think even though he's having a great year this year, I think he only gets better next year. I'm not sure who else comes into that side to take it away from him. It'll be some serious. He's on my, he's on that list that I'm prepping right now to really make sure I have a look at it next year and see if that role stays the same. I think um, look out for it, listeners. Next year, I'm going to really come in strong with a with a pretty solid spreadsheet to have a look at who I think the upside and downside is based on roles and, and movement. And he's one on my list, sitting alongside the Jai Newcomb types and things like that that I just think is still on the rise and, uh, and going to continue to move. But he looks quality, in my opinion. Um, this was a good match, albeit Melbourne v. Richmond I'm talking about now. Melbourne got up by 132, but they were tied in the last quarter at 1.92 apiece. Um, Melbourne just getting away a little bit in the final stages. Um, Max Corn with a huge 174. Um, Petrarca with a 141. I did have the C on him at one point and switched it across to Dawson. Didn't cost me the match, I don't think, just maybe. Might have actually just cost me, but that's okay. Harrison Petty with a 135. Viney with a 124. Rivers with a 109. So a couple of interesting names popping up there for Melbourne in this game. Uh, Soldo with a 128. Shy Bolton with a 120. Dusty Martin with a 108. Vlosten with a 102. Taranto a little bit quieter with a 75, all due to efficiency. And I think for me next year, if he's just a mid, he's somebody I'm not picking because that efficiency hurts him in too many games. Yeah, it does. Spot on. Harrison Petty, he kicks six goals. Yeah. If that, doesn't say, Grundy ain't get, if that doesn't say Grundy ain't getting back in this team, then I don't know what does. Maxi Gorn is averaging 167 super coach points per week since Grundy went out. Melbourne are 3-0. Yep. What does that tell you? He just – he is by far and away the best ruckman. Well – I think he's better than English. His impact that he has on the contest is better than Tim English. He's the best ruckman in the competition. And now that he's by himself, he gets to do his own thing. There was a stat there where this is the third game in a row where he's played 100% game time in the fourth, and he scored nearly 80 points, super coach points in the last quarter. Intercept marking, getting into good spots, taps to advantage. I'm kicking myself that I didn't pick him up when we both said, well, we said, yeah, bring him in if, you, if you've got the trades to do so. And now he's nearly back up to 700,000. Yeah, I, mate, I think it comes down to the second line that you said. We, we've talked about it multiple times to all our regular listeners out there. They know we started this season poorly. So it came down to having the trades. If I was one of those teams sitting in the top 10%, started off the year strong, was able to save a few trades, not use them early and just make the moves at the right time, Um he would have definitely been one of those moves where you go, you know what, I can drop a Marshall and bring in Gorn because I know the upside is there now and it's mm. going to go booming. But you just didn't have the numbers, so you take Marshall's 115 average and you just stay strong with it. But, mm -hmm. yeah, his upside's huge. What it does say to me, though, is this Melbourne side is set. The only person off a quick look is Fritz needs to come back into that forward line if he gets himself right to near the end of the yeah. year. I don't know if he does. I haven't had a look at it. But that, to me, even more so says that Grundy isn't getting back in this team. It's just not happening. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Whoever they're talking to for some trade moves will be definitely saying, don't you dare put him in that side. Um, 
you don't need him and uh, we need him fresh and then we'll be able to make the move for him at the end of the year and, and know that we're getting a healthy player is going to be our number one ruck. But we talked about it, mate. We said we said Gorn is the best ruck in the competition at the start of the year. We just mm-hmm. said with the Gorn-Grundy combination from a super coach standpoint, it's too risky. And it was. We move on to what was a nice tight game. Uh, West Coast getting the hoodoo off their back with a five-point win against North Melbourne. Uh, Adam Simpson out here in WA is very happy and saying it would be very nice to not see as many cameras at training, no special uh, board meetings, which I am sometimes invited to and sometimes not. Hopefully we can get down to just focusing on what we're trying to do. Uh, Jack Darling with a 125, Cripps with a 119, Hearn with a 118, who did a very good job on Larky. Uh, Jaden Hunt with a 116. Bailey Williams strong in the ruck with a 114. LDU, though, seems to be that player that's um, starting to show more consistency, which is good to see with a 127. Core with a 124. Sheasel with a 114. Curtis had four goals in one quarter, and he finished with a 105. Uh, ben Mackay with an 89. Not too much to talk about, but did you take anything away from it, mate? Not really. No. Two sides that were struggling, played yeah. it out tight. Kangaroos did well to tank a loss, I think. Like it was, it was pretty shit viewing. Uh, hopefully for North Melbourne's sake, West Coast win another game and then they could just pick up Harley Reid without having to worry about having to trade for him at the end of the year. See, I don't. I actually really want to see West Coast get that first pick now because I want to see some interesting moves at the end of the year. The only reason I don't want it is if they make the move with somebody else. I don't want to see Harley Reid go to like a Melbourne Demons. I, I just mm. don't. I'd rather, I would rather see him go to North Melbourne or something like that just to tighten up the competition a little bit more. As much as I'm not a West Coast fan, I don't shy away from that. It is what it is. Deal with it. If you don't want to subscribe anymore, see you later. Um, <laughs> but... I'd like to see some more moves come trade time and start doing these packages where, you know, you put some draft picks together. It gives us something to talk about as well from a draft pick standpoint. We can follow on the moves and what could have been and all those types of things. Um, I don't see West Coast winning another game. I think Frio's got their measure now. I I think this was the only game they could possibly win. They play that at Marvel Stadium. North Melbourne wins by four goals, in my opinion. Um, up the stadium, everyone was up and about, wanted to see them get up. And and I'm happy for them to actually have a win, especially for some of the young boys that have been um, having a tough season. It was, it was nice to see a smile on their face, and, and that's what we want to see. While we're talking about Harley Reid as well, he went back and played what is potentially going to be his last game at his footy club, his home footy club in Tongala, which is uh, up near Echuca. And uh, kicked a lazy three playing in the middle as a 17-year-old against senior men and got named as one of the best players on the ground. So he's already used to playing well against the mature bodies. The The Murray League is quite a good league as well. Like it's rated probably in the top 12 to 14 leagues in Victoria. So if he's doing that against already mature, mature players, then he's going to come in hot next year. From everything I'm seeing and everything I'm hearing, he's, he's better than like, look, We've seen Horn Francis play now, but I think the hype is real when it comes to this Harley Reid. Um, and I think he comes in as a – it's going to be very tough for West Coast if they had that first pick not to take him. Their intel will have to be that he doesn't want to stay and it's too much of a risk and they'll have to go after a player and a two-first-rounder for sure. The, the, or you take the risk. And, um, and see what you can do. And if anybody's done it well, it's West Coast. West Coast has brought over a lot of Victorians, uh, Eastern Staters, South Australians, who have stayed here, love living here, and made a good life for themselves. It's very different to coming to a Frio. West Coast is very much beloved here um, and have huge support. And look, from someone who lives here, it's not the worst place to live. And I think sometimes you have to just get over here and experience it first before you, uh, before you understand it. For sure. Mate, absolute pleasure. 45 minutes, it just absolutely flies by. I don't think we gave a big enough shout-out to our sponsors at uh, the Standard Squeeze. Make sure you jump on their website, the Standard Squeeze, and use our promo code INSIGHT15. I'm going to say it twice. Standard Squeeze, get on there, Insight 15, get 15% off all their products. It is fantastic. I've been lately taking over the little container to my mates' places, and and, uh, they give a shout-out and go, oh, is that what you're talking about on the pod? And I tell you right now, they jump on straight away, use that code, and uh, and they've got it in their freezers as we speak. Um, mate, any final words from you before we shut down? No, look, looking forward to this week. And 
Supercoach finals right around the corner. So if you've still got the trades to play or to use, listen in. We'll do the research. We'll tell you who's going to go bang this weekend, who's going to set you up for hopefully success in your cash leagues, or if you're playing for free, success for you to bring home bragging rights in your league. So, And tonight, hopefully the Aussies get home. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Davey Warner has just gone out to Wokes. We're one for 140, so I think I'm going to be settling in for a bit of a night to see what happens. Speaking of other sports, if you haven't checked it out already, do make sure you subscribe to the Insight Podcast Network. We do multiple sports. We bring you, obviously, the AFL, the NRL, the NBA, which is going gangbusters at the moment. Jump on and listen to it. I think every one of us has a bit of a touch point with the NBA. Mr. G Wiz doing a great job. NBA Matrix doing a great job. We get a few of our other friends. I've seen your face on the screens. My face has been on the screens. Um, everybody gets involved, which is great. So get on there and check it out. Go and jump in an NBA Fantasy League. All you need to do is listen to us, and I guarantee you bring home the cash. That's not legally binding. Anyways, uh, we'll also be doing the BBL as we get ready for the BBL summer season. I think you're going to be a big input into that. Nathan Brain, ex-New South Walesman spinner, is going to be doing that as well. I might even pop my ugly mug in there and have a chat with you boys as well because who doesn't love a bit of cricket in summer? Until next time, mate, this has been the Insight Fantasy Sport Podcast, AFL edition. Peace out. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 